I want to tell you about something that you see all the time in our current political landscape that's simply not true. We don't have to buy into this idea that there's only two ways to approach things. What I want to talk about today is some questions, some um, ideologies that you might hear a lot, and this is not actually a choice that you are forced to make. This is Charlie Stumbaugh, the lead pastor of Cornerstone Church, Colorado. Thank you for being with us today. Be sure to subscribe for our weekly content to encourage your faith. Let's listen in as Pastor Leslie brings the message. Hi, Cornerstone folks. We are continuing to dive in today, and we are looking, we're in a four-part series, four weeks, looking at the current political landscape of our nation and how in the world a faithful Jesus follower should engage it all. If you'll remember from last week, we talked about that we have way more in common than not, that we are kingdom people, we are a family of believers, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Your identity as a child of God is of eternal significance. Your political identity is not. And so we are holding most to our identity as a child of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, The ultimate resistance against the current political landscape is to choose unity as the body of Christ. And we will continue to hold to that by using the visual all four weeks of a family table to remind us all that we are invited, we are safe, that there is a seat for you. We will come at each of our four locations to the common table, the communion table, each week to model and to remember this truth. In a time where our world tells us we have to choose a side, we are deciding instead to choose a chair. Today, we're going to dive in and we're going to look a little bit at frameworks. And the truth is that our political decisions our decisions on who we vote for, our decisions on policy, our decisions on how we vote on a specific issue are informed by a specific worldview or a framework. And the truth is, if it's not a biblical one, then it's a worldly one. We can't say, I don't look at it through, you know, a lens because we every issue, um, every vote that we cast, we come to that decision by looking through a specific framework or lens. So while other philosophies and ideologies uh, that the world has created can inform us at some level. They can never be the masters. As believers, uh, we are called to use a biblical framework as we approach all of these things. Uh, Paul says it this way in Colossians 2.8. He says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. We want to look at what it looks like to have a framework that is biblically based and that is based on the teachings and the following faithful following of Jesus. You know, frameworks provide us with boundaries. They show us what is inside or outside of a specific value system while also giving us the freedom to uh, within those boundaries to come to different conclusions. And so, of course, you could think of sports as a great analogy there. If you think of football, uh, coaches, teams are going to have different philosophies on which offense to run. They're going to have different philosophies 
on which defense to run. They're going to have different ideas on the best play that you run on a third down if you're trying to get a first down. But the lines, the boundary lines of the football field are the lines. You can't catch the ball out of the back of the end zone and call it a touchdown. Uh, There are boundaries that you have to work within, but there are a lot of different decisions you could make within those boundaries. That's what we're talking about when we talk about a framework. So I hope today to help you start to engage a biblical framework through which you can see and in turn act in the political realm. Uh, First, I want to tell you about something that you see all the time in our current political landscape that's simply not true. And when we talked last week, um, you might have heard the pastor say something about a third option or a different way that we don't have to buy into this, this idea that there's only two ways to approach things. And so what I want to talk about today is some questions, some um, ideologies that you might hear a lot. And this is not actually a choice that you are forced to make. So questions that you might hear a lot in our current political landscape. Do you stand for women's rights or are you pro or are you anti-abortion? Are you for social justice or family values? Are you for war or human rights? Are you pro-law enforcement or do you believe Black Lives Matter? You know, when the world frames our questions for us, these are the types of questions that come forward. And the truth is, there's no good answer for those questions for anybody and especially for the Christian and the faithful Jesus follower. Uh, Many Christians and myself included at different seasons and times in life really just get overwhelmed and in turn give up and say, I'm just not going to engage any of these issues Because the truth is, when they hear those questions, they want to advocate for the lives of unborn babies, and they see the value and worth of each and every woman that God has created. And they honor our law enforcement, and they also care about the eradication of racism. Uh, The polarization of these types of questions are actually crazy. You're told that you have to pick between things that you might be very passionate about both. So a faithful Christian really cannot answer these false questions that our society is asking of all of us. Uh, If you did, on one way, you'd either have to surrender your convictions about what God says, or you'd have to neglect your compassion towards your neighbor. So with most of these world-framed questions, both answers, of course, are right in some ways and wrong in some ways. And sometimes it's easy to see that one one side might be more right on that scenario and less right on another. But either way, that's the tension. The tension is there, right? The truth is, and what I hope we can all agree on, is that both sides fall well short of the biblical standard. So you, as a Christian, can actually and should refuse to answer questions that demand false choices and still And you can still engage in the civic realm, even if you are refusing to answer those questions. If we're not going to answer the false choices, the false frameworks that the world gives us, what, um, how do we approach it? What is a biblical framework and what does that look like? Um, In the letter to the the church in Ephesus, Ephesians, um, Paul is talking to a church that has endured a lot of false teaching and prophets and... um, Without a proper framework, 
and especially we know this is an early church, they would easily be able to fall into unbiblical thoughts, unbiblical actions. And so in chapter four of this letter, Paul makes it clear what framework they are to look through, what lens they are to look through and act through if they're going to, and in turn, as we read today, if we are going to approach life as mature biblical Christians. I want to read to you from Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind and teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, that's the difference, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, that's the church, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Mature Christians can apply the proper framework no matter what kind of scheming, no matter what type of storm is going on around them. Um, And how they do that, he said right there in verse 15, by speaking the truth in love. You know, the world tells us that truth and love cannot coexist, that we can either love our neighbors or we can speak some sort of biblical truth, but, but it's impossible to do both. The scriptures tell us that truth and love are interdependent and that a mature Christian, as we pursue and follow the way of Jesus, that a mature Christian will grow up into being more like Jesus by speaking the truth in love in all of their life. Jesus himself in John 14, it said, as it described him, it said he was full of grace and truth. That is a tension that a lot of us don't know exactly how to walk or how to hold. And really, a lot of that is the work for us in um, growing in love and in truth and holding that tension and looking through that lens as we apply this to all areas of our life, including our political involvement. Love, we know, is an imperative throughout the Gospels. We know that Jesus spoke of loving our neighbor. Um, Often we know that the greatest commandment was to love God and love others. Um, In John 13, Jesus said it, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, he said, you should love one another. That's how people will know that you are Jesus followers, if you love one another. Um, and how did he love us? He gave, he laid down his entire life for us. And so as he has loved us, we are to love others. That means that as we hold, as part of our biblical framework, love as one of our highest ethics, as the highest ethic, that we constantly seek and pursue justice and care for our neighbors. And, um, and so as we speak the truth in love, as we hold truth and love, some have said it moral order and social justice, truth and love, um, we hold that. And when we look at anything within the political realm, we have to ask the question, does this seek and pursue justice and love for my neighbor? Truth is the other piece there, um, 
in John chapter eight, Jesus said this about truth um, to disciples. He said this, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know, the Bible is the standard for truth and is unchanging. And we don't have to wonder if the things that were true in the scriptures yesterday are true today. Um, They are, and these truths are unchanging and eternal. Um, We also know that within the political realm and how those things are applied, that oftentimes just within one political decision, there could be multiple moral truth decisions that are present and even seem to be in conflict. So it's not always an easy application, um, but it is important because we are not only to hold love as our primary action, but we are also to hold truth and upholding and standing for the truth of how God created the world and how he wants us to interact in it and the truth of what he says in scripture on how to live our lives. Um, We're to hold that just as highly um, when we approach the political realm. One thing we can be careful of when we are applying truth into the political realm, God's truth, is to make sure that we don't um, imply moral order only in issues that don't affect us. So a lot of times there are big what would be considered ethical or moral issues within politics, and um, they may not affect us personally. And so we are very quick to set to um, say that those are bad things or we shouldn't do those things or to imply what we think would be our standard. Um, and I would just say one thing we could watch for is there's lots of things within God's word, the truth of God's word that he asks us to hold to that we should be just as quick to to imply um, having to do with purity of heart and greed and corruption and manipulation. Um, we should pay attention to those things as well when we're talking about truth and moral order and not just the kind of hot button issues that may or may not affect us personally. Um, so truth and love, that is the biblical framework, moral order and social justice. You cannot apply one without the other in your life or in your civic involvement, or else you won't preserve a faithful witness. Um, Each time we approach a candidate or an issue or a policy, we as faithful followers of Jesus have got to look through this lens. What most upholds the truth of scripture and what most promotes love and justice for my neighbor? There is tension there. But that is right where that is the framework that God is asking us to look through um, as we make these decisions. Um, Now, why does this framework need to override our current partisan situation? Uh, Neither progressivism nor conservatism satisfies the truth or the love imperatives of the gospel. Both of these fall outside of a biblical framework. You know, progressivism is characterized by systems need to change and move forward and evolve at all costs, forward movement. Um, If you hold that framework over a biblical framework, at some point, you will have to let go of biblical convictions in other to stay current with the ever evolving, um, the ever evolving systems and ideologies. At some point, you'll have to let go of biblical convictions because our biblical convictions are timeless. And so 
while there are pieces of progressivism that um that definitely are have it more right than others and that you can pay attention to and that you can join in on and fight for um we always above all else want to hold mostly to our biblical framework um conservatism is, you know, historically about preserving the social order, very focused on systems and principles. And because of that, um, you know, if you hold to that over your biblical ethic and your biblical framework, um, you could get to the point where you ignore how people are doing under those systems, or you could resist changes or assume like an equal playing field, even when it's not present. So, um, if you hold to this framework over a biblical framework, at some point you might underemphasize compassion and deal with others harshly, which loses the love imperative. I hope as we talk about that, as we describe that, that you can start to see and start to think about how you might implement into your life taking a step back and trying to shed a ideology or a framework that is not biblical and and instead trying to start looking through the lens or the framework of a biblical faithful Jesus following framework that holds the truth and love imperatives of the gospel fully and so i'd love to end with a story to get you thinking steve and i both need glasses Uh, to see better. And our oldest two girls have had to have glasses as well. And our four-year-old West, we assumed based on everybody else that she would at some point need glasses. But with our other kids, it was about six or seven years old before they needed them. But we went to our preschool screening and they were screening her eyes. And when they backed up to show her the pictures just a few months ago, she could not see anything. And we did not realize that she was having so much trouble seeing. So when we took her to the eye doctor, turns out she has a very severe stigmatism and and needed glasses right away. When she put them on, I could tell that, you know, her eyes kind of got big and she was looking around differently. And as I asked her about it, all, all that she could say and the way she could describe it was everything looks so small. And as we got into that a little bit more, I realized that what was happening is everything had been so blurry that it had just kind of all molded together and looked really big to her. And so she was seeing clear lines and items and things in her that she was looking at were now defined. And the way that she described it is it's looking so small. You know, worldly frameworks and ideologies that are based of the world make everything so complicated, so big, so overwhelming, so divided, so impossible. But the biblical framework, the biblical lens of love and truth, social justice and moral order clears it up. While there is still tension there, you can see more clearly when you're looking through the lens of the biblical framework. What seemed blurry and overwhelming suddenly seems so small. Father, thank you for this time to learn and grow and apply your truth and your love imperatives, your way of doing things to our world around us. Um, We just ask in your never-ending grace that you would continue to be with us and to show us and to guide us and to teach us as we want to be faithful followers of Jesus who are applying love and truth 
in our life every day, in each and every moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we are so honored that you are with us today. Remember, subscribe to the show and check out our website at cornerstonechurch.co.com for more resources.